Hey guys, it's Dan in Post. Before we start the second half of the Batman Returns episode, I just wanted to remind you of my guest appearance on The Hysteria Continues podcast, where we discuss the 1989 incest slasher elf movie, Elves. Guys, it's the movie Too Weird to Watch on this show. George and Travis would have quit, and then it would have been the saddest thing. So I watched it with those guys instead. They hadn't seen it either. So check that out on any local podcatcher. Welcome back to the Remedial Film Class Podcast. I'm your host, Dan. And I'm Travis. And I'm George. And this is part two of our Batman Returns episode. Let's join the previous conversation already in progress. The original choice for the Penguin was... What do you think? Colin Farrell. No. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> he was five. <laughs> uh, Marlon Brando. He would have been good. It was before they went with the... Mutated before he was a ninja turtle, (laughs) yeah. Uh, the two the two picks for the penguin were, uh, I I like how they said he's feeling four foot tall. That's fantastic. (laughs) Um, (laughs) it's so corny, Marlon Brando, yeah, and Dustin Hoffman. I would have really liked to see a Dustin Hoffman. I'm not as familiar with Dustin Hoffman, I know his name, but he would have been a good cobblepot as well. Yeah, but once they went with the mutated monster hybrid, uh, you don't go anywhere else but Danny DeVito. Like I don't, I can't imagine anybody else playing that penguin. Yeah, well, it's just, it's just so strange that they did like the hat on a hat thing, where it's like, okay, we're gonna have this guy who's an outsider, but he has like a blue blood connection, and he's like a nice story for the people of Gotham, and they're gonna. Try to have a crime boss twist him into becoming a mayor, but he'll have ulterior motives. Like, that is this movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, but I forgot to mention, he's a deformed Ninja Turtles villain <laughs> who lives in the sewer and wants to murder all the children with a circus a gang. Issues. Like, they really just added and added and added to make this character so big, but so small. I still, yeah. I can't believe that at the beginning of this movie, you've got Bruce uncovering a potential child murder ring in a circus connected to the penguin. And then they cut to penguin filling out a list of children's names like Santa Claus creating his list. And yep. this was a kid's movie. Like, holy crap, the 90s. Yeah. Oh, Oh my god. That's how ge- that's how Generation X does it. <laughs> you got to know though in that scene where he introduces himself by saving the mayor's baby, he had to spend that entire duck ride just like don't eat this baby. Don't eat this baby. This is an important baby. Don't eat this baby. <laughs> this is an important baby. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> that's funny. That scene was very poorly acted. And I think it, it was, was supposed to. It was so poorly acted that I thought like at like the way that the circus guy like flipped into the scene <laughs> or out of the scene like with the baby and like just like picked the baby up out of its mother's hands 
and like she didn't do nothing and nobody did nothing and he just and he had time to make his oscar speech yeah and then he like (laughs) went down into the sewer and like i'm like what is the mayor in on this like but he couldn't be because the whole point of this is to uh, i don't know well and this is one of the examples there's many examples in this movie it's a little bit of sequelitis in a lot of ways where like they know from focus groups what worked with the first one and they're trying to get kind of echoed shots in this movie. And so this is very similar to that scene where Joker and his men show up in the mime outfits and attack the mob boss on the podium. You remember that on like the court steps in the 89 one, Mm -hmm. a lot of the same elements here, almost the same shot. And then, backflips in an Oscar speech just to put it over the top. But a lot of times in this movie, you'd see a shot and be like, Hey, that's a good, Oh, that was in the last movie. We're just doing this again. (laughs) Just to put the hat on the hat. Yes. I mean, we've got a fried body that works so well with the Joker. So now we're going to have a fried Shrek at the end, just to make sure you hit your fried body quota. Like I just, I think that's more of a Tim Burton quota. I, I think he enjoys... Maybe that one. But like, it, okay, so the one yeah. when the thing explodes at the end and Batman turns dramatically and is lit up by the explosion, it's like, oh, you mean the shot they got outside Axis Chemicals? It's on all those posters. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. they're just... It's, it's like a, a... They're just checking the boxes to make sure that when the merchandising comes through, we've got fire-lit Batman, we've got fried body, we've got Penguin shooting his sidekick for almost no reason, you know, just like shooting Bob in the first one, like... Mm-hmm. Got to hit those beats. It is a different writer. Sequelitis. Yeah. Sequelitis. Um, but I think it has a lot to do because the the burnt out Shrek looks a lot like the the um burn up cigarette cigarette guy in Beetlejuice. Uh, and I think there was actually a. It kind of looked a little bit like Large Marge. Like, I think it's a, a Tim Burton thing more than the studio saying, hey, you got to do these sequel boxes. But I know what you're saying. I just think he's got that that Spielberg, Michael Bay, uh, who's a, George Lucas. Like, they just have their style that you know you're going to get the dolly zoom. You know you're going to get the, the hat reach under a door that's closing. Like, and you just know. You got a Wilhelm scream. Yes. In this movie. So, there you go. I heard it and I was like, Travis is going to mention that. I beat you to it. <laughs> you ah. did? I did hear it, though. The best one of the is in, is in Toy Story. When I heard it in Toy Story, I'm like, oh my God, it's there. It's in there, too. It had to be. It had to be. What's, which, which scream is the Wilhelm scream? Uh, hold on. I'll, uh, let me Google it. He's not just going to do it? I but when nah, when I did it happen that. in the movie? It's too high. It's when after I think it's either right before or right after he blows up the guy with the bomb. Batman punches a clown and like flings him over a railing. Yeah, and he does oh, the, the big clown, uh, the arm wrestler from Over the Top, which you haven't seen. I uh, thought you were going to tell me he was a professional wrestler. He was. He's a professional arm wrestler. No, yeah, I I meant like <laughs> you WWE. roll your eyes, dude's like seven hundred pounds. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I and thought he really St. got Lewis. punched. What's up? Well, there you go. Yeah, actually, I only know about him because my a girl I went to high school with, her dad was in that movie, and he was also a uh, professional arm wrestler. So he wrestled against that guy. 
Shoot, I can't find it. It's a good way to get a spiral fracture. Arm yeah, wrestling. arm wrestling Ugh. is something I don't think I'd ever want to do at a high level. I would definitely want to do it against like a teenage boy who thinks he's hot shit, but not at a professional level. You know what I mean? I hear you. I hear you. Here it comes. Here it comes. (laughs) (laughs) It's in every movie. Yeah, they use it all the time. Star Wars uses it, Indiana Jones, Batman, Toy Story. It's all over. (laughs) (laughs) You have to look for it in like every movie. Because I I think it's on uh on file at Skywalker. You know, sound studio. So okay. whenever they need somebody falling out of a plane, down an elevator shaft. It's that exact. It's that scream. It's that exact stock. Yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> so when, in Toy Story, when Buzz tries to, he's like, or no, Woody's like, Buzz, Buzz, he fell down here. And, and he goes to help the toy that fell behind the desk. And then Woody's going to push him out the window. He's going to push Buzz out the window. Yeah. When he falls. Out the window. He does that he scream. He does that scream. It's <laughs> good shit. It was in the trailer. We were like, yeah, there it is. That's hilarious. I don't think we talked about the uh, the performances enough. Well, we haven't even talked about Michelle Pfeiffer yet. Well, I want to get Once. to her. I want to get to her, but I also want to just talk about Christopher Walken for a minute. Yeah. I mean, it's very hard to watch Christopher Walken for me. And not think of cowbell, the cowbell skit. Right. When he's like, she tried or, to threaten me. Or push her out a higher window, <laughs> dude. <laughs> so yeah. good. Next time I'll just push her out a higher window. Such um, a good line. And but his he he always he never he never becomes a different person. He's he always was very subdued. He's in this always movie. Christopher Walken. Yeah, but he still he still speaks the same way. Right. You know how some actors. They do uh, an American accent so well, you don't even know they're British. Right. You know, Christopher Walken is not that way. He always <laughs> sounds like Christopher Walken. <laughs> and <laughs> and and even though, what's the what's the other the other movie where he's talking about his grandfather's pocket watch? Oh, Deer Hunter. Deer Hunter. No, that's Wedding not Crashers. It. <laughs> he's. He's like, you, you know, your grandfather kept his pocket watch in his ass through the whole, like, basically through the whole war or something. I think it's a Tarantino movie. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Um, It's it's just Christopher Walken is always Christopher Walken. He always sounds like oh, Christopher Pulp Walken. Fiction. Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. Is that Pulp Fiction? Okay. Yeah. He always sounds like Christopher Walken. He always delivers lines the way Christopher Walken mm-hmm. would deliver them. And even though it's... Christopher Walken, but very see, his, clearly his inflection, but his his performance was amazing. Yeah. And when is like I'm saying I'm I'm just thinking like is he just always cast really well or is Christopher Walken just a perfect actor for any role? 
he's the way. Did you see the live action Jungle Book? Um, maybe he plays the voice of King Louis, so he's the giant orangutan. I think I did actually. He he does not even have to be on screen. Like it's his voice. Yes. So he's the best part of the Jungle Book. Just his because it's you're not getting that that um that jazzy voice. You're getting the walking. Yeah. As an orangutan, and he's like giving the the yeah, way yeah. he's talking, but his his inflection is different than the stereotypical walking impression, like more cowbell. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think. Also- yeah, I also think of there's an SNL skit where he's uh trying to fa- like he's afraid of plants. You ever seen this one? Yeah. And he's afraid of plants and he's trying to get over his fear, so he like he like is in a greenhouse and he's planting plants to get over his fear, but in order to like face his fear, he has to like look him in the eye. So he has to put googly eyes on him. And just like hearing Christopher Walken say like I put googly eyes on him. Right. Like it just it's he, just class, fantastic, but fantastic. he always. <laughs> every time I say fantastic, he's a fantastic, I hear Schwarzenegger. Fantastic, fantastic. <laughs> um, dude. Christopher Walken is a treasure, but in this movie, he's subdued. Like he if you is. Think about he it, like, is. He's doing some subtle shit in this movie, but he's so eccentric. Like the character, his hair. Yes. Like his costume. Like everything to, is to so. Over I think the top. I think that the eccentric Christopher Walken is probably the best Christopher Walken. Yes. Like, anyways, he was phenomenal in this movie. I loved every single second he was on screen. Yes. He's perfect. And before we talk about Michelle Pfeiffer, we need to talk about Michael Keaton, who really opens up the Bruce Wayne character quite a bit in this performance. A lot of people love him as Batman. Yeah, he's great. He's my a Batman. A lot of people. A lot of people say he's the best Batman. I do. I still think that. <laughs> Right, Dan's like me, and That's and me. I'm like, I'm like he's he's good, he's he's great, he's good. Um, who was the young fellow that played in the Batman? Um, Robert Pattinson. Pat- Pattinson. He was also very good. Mm-hmm. He was also very good, and he was allowed to keep the eye black, whereas this one they make it a point to have no eye black under the uh, mask, yeah. which I understand. Mm. The audience wasn't ready to acknowledge. You know, it's a sign of the times or whatever, but it does kind of cheapen that scene when he rips his mask off dramatically and he's like clean. And you're just like, what? He's clean before he tore it off if you actually watch it. Oh, does he have no eye black under the mask at that point? Yeah, the frame right before he tears it, you could see his eyelids and everything. So it's like they purposely did that. And it's like, no, that scene would have been so much better if he had the, the... the football, the eye black on. Yeah, it's not yeah. like they cleaned up Selena Kyle to look all you know fresh and clean under her mask. That's kind of sexist. What the heck? Because in the next one, they they do touch on that because I think there's a scene where Kilmer is in the Batcave right after an event as Batman, and they show him kind of come out of not not come out of the shower, but like come from behind the wall where he obviously just took off the bat suit, and he's got. He looks disheveled, and he looks sweaty, and he looks dirty around the, the eye area. So it's like they at least addressed it a movie later. Yeah. Because I think people were, like, watching that ending. We're like, what? Seriously? Wait, what? Oh. <laughs> was, uh, was Batman taking his mask off really necessary in no. this movie? Not a bit. Not at all. 
I don't. I didn't but like. You get it. a great walking thing because he's like, "What are you doing? His dress is Batman." Yeah, that's, <laughs> he's that's a Bruce true. Wayne. And it leads to an awesome action figure idea where you've got the full bat suit with the Bruce Wayne mm-hmm. head that they already sculpted for the regular Bruce Wayne figure. Boom, an extra figure with the same pieces it's they already had. I don't think they actually did that though. And if I remember from the Batman Returns line, I never had a Batman with no mask. I did, but it was a it was a Bruce Wayne figure with a bat cowl that you could. Slip oh yeah, yeah, on yeah. The quick change yeah. Bruce Wayne. The come on, Bruce come Wayne, on, yeah. man. But wouldn't it be cool yeah, if they? Why didn't they Bruce just Wayne. take the quick change Bruce Wayne head, put it on the regular Batman body, and have a an extra figure for free that they, that I would have bought for five more but dollars? They, did, they didn't need that scene to do that because the scene where he pulls the claw out of his side, True. he has his cowl off and his full bat gear on. I'm so surprised they, they like didn't bat sell me. Batman. Because I bought every effing action figure in that line yeah. back in this era. Why didn't they sell me a Batman figure with one Bruce Wayne arm? You know? And be like, oh, this right. is that scene where he took his glove off. I'd be like, fuck, there's $5. <laughs> <laughs> why, why didn't they sell the the locker with the seven Batman costumes in it? Dude, that was actually kind of corny. It was That was one yeah, of the... completely corny. That was one of the times where I was like, oof, this... It's when the studio gets involved and you have yeah. like the seven seven boots that all or the eight boots. That yeah, all yeah, the same yeah. It'd be funny if it was hangers. only seven. But boots. I. But you know what? The great part of it, <laughs> the great part of that scene was, is when he opens the closet and there's like six bat suits, identical right. bat suits. He like shifts three of them to the side mm-hmm. and picks like the fourth one out. Now the reference because I got that, that one specifically he wanted. <laughs> That's to wear. his Wednesday suit. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. I got the fly. I thought of. The character in The Fly, where he's got, he's oh, got he seven went, yeah. of the same shirts, mm-hmm. seven of the same pants. Yeah. So he doesn't have to waste any time figuring so, out what he wants to wear. <laughs> it was just silly that he like pushes three of them to the side mm-hmm. and takes one out of the middle. Like that's... But that's what happens. And then you get the gradual downfall. Like In the third one, you, you get the, the first line of the movie. Uh, oh, let's not ruin it for him. Oh, I have let, to. Let the movie ruin it for him himself okay, when he watches okay. it later. <laughs> All right. Uh, it, did I imagine it this time, or did his bat cape become a hang glider spontaneously yes. and then fold back into a regular cape when he hit the ground? <laughs> That's what happened. But his cape did fall off when the hang glider came out. What? If you watch it. Watch it again. Because as a kid, this... the memory I had of this movie was he just happened to bring his hang glider with him, thank goodness. Right. But then watching it today, I was like, did he just Nolan that cape? And I never caught that as a kid. Like, was I smarter as a kid than the movie makers to think you can't do that with a cape? I always took it as it but was almost like you a, can do that with a cape. In the Nolan if, if Lucius, Lucius Fox, Fox right. is your uh, But if you watch that scene again, and I remember that scene in the trailer, watching that happen, and I was like, oh, that's awesome. Like when he puts his arms out and the bat wings pop out. And they're all like, like sh- sharp and scary looking. Like, yeah. It's a cool like, looking okay. cape. But it's, uh, I was looking at it as an homage to Bob Kane's original drawing that was based on the Da Vinci drawing. Yeah. The red Batman. That's what I was taking. So I was like, okay, I'll take it. It's like a Da Vinci hang glider invention yeah. nod, which is where Bob Kane got his idea for the bat cape. How about. But that cape falls off, by the way. How about the part where Batman is fighting a sword swallower (laughs) and he pulls the sword out of the guy's throat and then just like punches him 
or something. Or the 900,000-pound uh, pedestal on the bottom or, of the car that helps it turn around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the hydraulic to... ram yeah. that's built into the Batmobile. Where does Batman go when that thing goes back up in? Um, <laughs> oh my God. How about like his it, the the batarang that he has to like program? Yeah. Like he's like, oh, I'm surrounded by three people. Hold on, let me just like punch in coordinates here real quick. There's four people. They're standing around me and throw it. Now, what I was thinking about when I was watching it that I never thought about before, and I th- was thinking of you. What's that? Basically, Iron Man in the new movies has a lot of those moments, but it's remedied by new technology. So it's not as corny because he's actually seeing that screen inside his helmet and doing those coordinates with his his conversation with the AI of yeah. his suit. Yeah, so it's, it's like, actually um, the supercomputer. No, Jarvis. Jarvis. So it's like, if that were what Keaton did, where he was basically programming it through AI, it would have looked really cool. Well, he kind of... Well, well, he but like held he it up. It, it looked like it radar program. Like he held it up and it detected where everybody was, and then he threw it. Yeah, he but didn't he had like. To, he had to like program it though. He yeah. had to like touch it and turn it on and well, stuff. It was the nineties? Oh, you yeah. got to use yeah. your we hands. We still had beepers. Watch that, <laughs> a <true>. baby toy. <laughs> yeah, is that a baby toy? But we still had beepers back then. Ninety-two. Yeah. We had beepers. You, yeah, you, you had, had dial-up at that we point. We had fifty-six so K modems. I do that love the expression on the woman's face when the dog steals the battering, and she's just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yep that's good yeah. that's uh, all your technology and my ratty dog yeah didn't need a word of dialogue to sell that to me that was good although nolan does that um that uh iron man thing with uh the bat the, the radar remember when you know the the thing that lucius fox doesn't doesn't want to exist oh the bat the the, the Patriot Act. Act. The Patriot Act. Yes. Thing. Oh, the Patriot the, Act. yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it pings so, all the sonar. it pings all the cell phones sonar and makes a sonar ping. image, and so that you know Batman through his helmet can see. Right. That's pretty much yeah. that. It's pretty much that. See. Hmm. George, you're an electrician. Would it make any sense to build a large scale capacitor to steal the energy from the surplus created by the Gotham power plant? To make money? <laughs> oh, we're going to the plot now? No. <laughs> dot, dot, I, dot, profit? Like, how does this the, work? From, okay, so my understanding of capacitors, this is not coming from me as an electrician, because electricians don't use capacitors generally. Right. That'd be more of an electrical um, engineer situation, right? Th- this would be, this is, this is George the Tinkerer. Because I've tinkered with things mm-hmm. uh, before that are electronic, and and basically like a capacitor stores energy, and it kind of outputs energy when there's a lull. So I would imagine that you know, like like generally, like if you if you need you know so many volts, like say you need four hundred and fifty volts, right? You put a 450 volt capacitor in, you know, in the line and the capacitor, you know, drinks up, you know, 450 volts and it just sits there and stores it. And then when, when the power drops below 450, well, the capacitor is like, oh, well, here's, here's extra. And it makes the, it makes it 450 all the time. 
You know what I mean? So they're acting it, this like, whole time like Shrek's plan is going to be this big secret, like evil plot. But he also speaks of it as like the legacy of Chip and his family, like this great thing he's leaving behind. But that's nonsense, right? Because anybody building it would be like, that's weird. We're not putting in a power plant. We're just putting in a giant capacitor bay. But you could almost sell that. that. Is- like uh, Shrek, if if I understand it correctly, Shrek could be selling this to the people of Gotham to be like, hey, do you want the world's best power cleaner and conditioner? Because we can build this thing next to your power plant and then you'll never have to worry about bad service drops because we'll smooth everything out with our giant capacitor I want to build. It would be more effective if there was a single cap- single large capacitor at the service drop of every building. And capacitors on the actual high tension and capacitors at the power plant. See, now so, like, that's the need, Batman Returns need, I want. I want yeah, Max Shrek. Proper... I want Max Shrek to sell Gotham with fake studies, his giant capacitor to clean all the power. And I want him to fight Lucius Fox, who is presenting counter data valid data showing that it would be more efficient just to have them at every drop in every house. And then that would be the big conflict of Batman Returns is my data versus your data in a science off. But mm. then you find out that Ra's al Ghul owns big capacitor. Dun, dun, and dun. he's just trying to sell capacitors to whoever. There you go. And he wins no matter who wins. Oh. And there's also a microwave emitter in each one. This is already secretly. better than Batman Returns. <laughs> but where's the flipper action? Yeah, that's we true. We still haven't talked about Catwoman. Who's Catwoman? <laughs> what? Michelle? Halle Berry? Fucking Pfeiffer. <laughs> oh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah, she was in that movie where she was a teacher and Coolio was there. Oh, my God. I remember her from that. That's it? No, I'm kidding. Of course. She was in Scarface. Scar who? Scarface. I'm kidding. <laughs> I think it's a real disservice that I've never seen that movie. You've it never is. seen Scarface? <clears throat> no. Interesting. We've, we is have, that the we one? Failed. <laughs> is that the one where he's like, say hello to my little, little friend? friend? Yeah. Yeah, that's all I know about Scarface. <laughs> okay. Because it's referenced constantly. A million times. I just yeah. saw it on Nickelodeon. <laughs> yeah. So Michelle Pfeiffer, uh, in the classic Hollywood costume of glasses so that she's mm. not pretty at the beginning of the movie, uh, followed by no glasses, now pretty. Uh, that's kind of gross. Hollywood, get that. Wait a minute. Hold on a second. I'm going to stop you right there. I don't think glasses are I don't are think that's unsexy. what they were doing. I think they were just making her plain Jane secretary stereotypical librarian type. I don't think they were trying to make her ugly. She was beautiful no matter what. Yeah, you could, I you put her in a burlap sack covered in maggots and she'd be hot. Well, I don't know about all that. <laughs> but, well, I mean, um, uh, Argento might agree with you. It's That's true. true. But you know what um, I mean. They they hide her beauty beneath a facade of plain uh, less beauty. I think they were trying to give you the girl next door, plain Jane, um, hiding behind the glasses because she doesn't have a self-esteem. She doesn't have self-esteem. I married this person, so I know. Um, and then she, when she became Catwoman, they had to have that finding of self-esteem because she becomes like 
you know, walking feminism. Yeah. So it's like I don't she know that she to... becomes walking feminism. She becomes a well, well, '90s version of walking feminism. A walking like she, something. <laughs> she, she becomes her in her mind. She feels that women are because she's a secretary, and they do this stereotypically. So I'm not saying this as a misogynistic way. They purposely made her the uh, whipping post of all the men in the movie. So when she becomes Catwoman, she's empowered. Now she's the to, captain. Or... Right. She's in charge of all the men. She's basically. literally the whipping person yeah, at that point. She exactly. goes from the whipping post to the whipper. Not only is she the whipper, she literally has a whip. Yes. And she whips And them. that scene where she knocks the three heads off with the whips? Yeah. That she did that for real. Yeah. In one take. Wow. That's badass. That but, is that is awesome. Uh Jennifer Lawrence did it three years prior, but <laughs> in utero. In, uh, in utero pre Hunger Games. So, I thank Jennifer Lawrence for paving the way for all <laughs> women action right. actors. Wow. All that aside, how did the cats resurrect the lady? They didn't. No, I think that was symbolism. I they don't didn't. Know if they actually. I don't. Really I'm did. honestly. I'm not even ready to go there yet. <laughs> no, let's. Go I there. still want to talk okay. about the uh, the secretary. So hot, Michelle Pfeiffer. Like, <laughs> I I love that she walks in the door and says, "Honey, I'm home," and it's like, "Oh yeah, I'm not married." Right. Like, that's hilarious. She does it twice, exactly the same way. Like, this is the way she enters her apartment. Every single and her night. her mom's always calling her. Like, it's just... Yeah. She's a lo- in her mind, she's a loser. She's really not, but she... No, yeah, not at all. She feels like a loser. Yeah, and then... Her... Yeah, the way the way everybody walks all over her and while she's the secretary. I love that she calls herself and leaves herself a voicemail that says you forgot the file mm-hmm. that you need to bring home. I mean, yeah. that is... I, I, it's great. It's something that it's something that my wife would do, right? Like, you know, not the the message wasn't like if you forgot this, you're gonna have to go back. It's like you're gonna have to go back to work because you forgot this yeah, asshole. That's yep. the the message <laughs> she left herself, and it's it's funny, and it's relatable. Yeah, I put post its on my phone all the time before I leave work. I'm like, oh wait, no, I need to grab this. Yeah, and uh, I still forget. And then. The interaction with her and and Walken when she's actually going through the files and this and that and blah blah blah. Like we said before, dialogue fantastic. He pushes her out a window, and I, I don't know is does she suffer from like a severe head injury? Is that what turns her into I Catwoman? Think they purposely did the canopies to. It's almost like the Jason Voorhees thing. Like, you sit there and you're like, okay, how many times is Jason Voorhees going to get hit with a machete or an axe and he's not going to die? Well, she has an excuse because she's a cat. But is she? Like, did she die from that fall? Like, they, I think they purposely made her get caught by all those canopies to slow her down. She hits the ground. Yes, you see her breathe that last breath. But... They did she di- die? No. They did it in a way where she didn't really technically have to die from that fall because she, again, went through the canopies. It was like a parachute to her. Yeah, yes. it was a far fall. Yeah. But she went through like 10 canopies. 
Yes. When the cats, there's an old wives' tale where cats will steal your breath, they steal your soul or breath or whatever. When like some people will feel like they're they can't breathe and they wake up and the cat's sitting on their chest. It's like an old, an old. Uh, okay, I'll I'll take tale. your word for it. But they did the opposite of that. Did she receive life from those cats? Probably not. Did they just maybe wake her up by chewing on her finger? I'm Probably go with that. more likely. Because even when she says, Penguin killed me, Batman killed me, they technically didn't. She fell through that glass, but she didn't get cut, and nothing fell on her. So technically, they can explain that she didn't die from that fall. She fell into the sand uh, in the yeah, truck. I mean, I'm not she taking, didn't really die. I'm not taking that literally when she says, this person killed me, that person killed me. But it is an interesting thing. You know, because like, you know, cats don't actually die eight times before they really die. They come come close a lot before they actually die. And that's where she was. Yeah. She can't, she comes so close to to getting killed. I think what we're saying is it's open to interpretation. Yes, absolutely. Did those cats really bring her back? Uh, No, no, they didn't, no. But the movie's fantastical enough to where it's possible. But also, what I'm saying is, is her cat woman... Because obviously she likes cats, like right. she has stray cats that come in her kitchen window well, and she lady. feeds them and She's stuff. She's a cat lady. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, but was is Catwoman like something that was brought on from, a like a severe head injury? I don't know. Like, is this like split personality? I think it's thing? her like, inner woman that has always wanted to be okay out. I think that too. Yeah. And that's what I want it so to she's be. She's empowered now. That's what I want it to be, and when she comes back as Catwoman. Again, another perfect dialogue is when Bruce Wayne is in uh, Shrek's office. They're talking about the power plant, and she comes in, and Shrek shits himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that whole scene. Yeah. And her demeanor has changed fucking, completely. Yeah, yeah. exactly. She's she's no longer the secretary. She's now and she her vision has improved because she no longer needs and glasses. Her, and her vision has improved. Because <laughs> as we know, cats don't wear glasses. Right. So... <laughs> but that, uh, yeah. But she's no longer mousy. She's no longer no. low self-esteem, so she no. doesn't need the glasses. Yes, she wears contacts now. It's so good. Again, a mariner for for <laughs> a movie that has basically like robot chicken style penguins with brain helmet. You might not get robot things. chicken without Batman Returns. You're probably way. right. Um. <laughs> That transformation and this dialogue is so good. Like this help. movie doesn't deserve that the the level of dialogue no. that it has. It's and so the hello, good. the hello there, hell here. Yes, like it's just and that transformation. Her building her own costume. It's funny. Like everybody talked about how amazing the Wonder Woman movie was and how groundbreaking it was and this and that. And then they did a sequel where. Uh, Who's the who's the girl from uh, Saturday Night Live? Kristen Wiig. Played, Kristen Wiig played the villain in the sequel, and instead of playing off of the awesomeness that the first one was, they went back to the '90s, and they because it was based in like '84 or whatever, and they made Kristen Wiig's character the same character that Pfeiffer's character is, but not good. Like you can see how good Michelle Pfeiffer is by watching Kristen Wiig play the same character. And it bothers, now they're not even making a third Wonder Woman because that movie was so bad. 
But it was almost like a laughing stock because they made the mistake of going back to the 90s with their superhero stuff. And in the 90s, it actually was cutting edge. You know what it's annoys me a little bit? When people, like, they take movies like... I Now, I never saw Wonder Woman or the second Wonder Woman. But, you know, they make a bad movie and like, it flops. And they're like, oh, it's because, like, nobody likes women in movies. <laughs> it's like, that annoys me so yeah. much because we I do. love women in movies. Absolutely. Like, especially, like... I don't know. It's stupid. Like Michelle Pfeiffer in this movie is a a huge part of why this movie is yeah. fucking great. She should have been in Gremlins. Yeah, she should have been in Catwoman. So, oh my god, yeah. And Definitely. she should have been in Batman Beyond or whatever that new movie they supposedly canceled with her and Keaton getting back together. Oh, I'm guys. hoping they canceled it because the script was terrible and they're gonna make a new one. I hope you're right. Yeah, yeah, I really hope. So, George, the yes. original Catwoman for this movie. Phoebe Cates. No, I'm just playing. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't think she would be a good Catwoman. No, but she wouldn't. Um, I don't know. Was going to be your girl from My Amer- girl? American Beauty. Annette Benning. Which one is she? The wife. Oh, that would have been terrible. I don't know. And that bending in ninety two was the wife hot. Yeah. in American Beauty. Well, I mean the You're looking a, at her at like fifty. Well, yeah, yeah, the wife in American Beauty is not She's a, not uh, supposed to be. Yeah, she's well no, I'm just saying she's not that she's not attractive. I'm I'm not saying that. I'm saying that she's so unlikable right. in American Beauty that I can't imagine her being <laughs> like but I mean, I'm sure she could. I mean she yeah. And, uh, Dan, did you know that Julie Newmar actually petitioned for the part? I'm sure. I mean, Adam West tried to get the part in Batman 89. So really? That wouldn't surprise me at all, that they all yeah. thought, hey, this is our role to, you know. I'm not really be. a Julie Newmar fan. I am a, a Lee Merriweather guy, if I got a pick. Although, right. Eartha Kitt, my gosh, if I could Eartha have Eartha Kitt, Kitt, Kitt good, yeah. in the same movie as Lee Merriweather, that's enough Catwoman for my whole life. Well, if you like Eartha Kitt, then you will like Boomerang if we ever watch that Eddie Murphy movie. There you go. Because she plays a, an older Catwoman-type character in that movie. Yeah. And we have to talk about the Sean Young story. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, fill George in on the Sean. <laughs> I know Dan doesn't like to do trivia. What did I but... see her in this week that I was like, who is that? She looks so familiar and she's so good. And then I was like, oh, God, that's Sean Young before she was crazy. <laughs> Was it uh, Blade Runner? No. God, what did I see here? I was watching something last it, week. I was like, man. Trench coats in that movie, right? That Ace Ventura. No Way Out? I'm looking here. It had to be 80s. You can tell them the story. I'll, I'll find it by the time Ace Ventura. No. Um, okay, so Sean Young, you know her from Blade oh, Runner. She Stripes. Was, it was Stripes. Stripes. Oh, you watched Stripes? I watched Stripes the other day, and I was like, yeah, this movie is, is a movie. He, yeah, we're doing it. I hope one day. Yeah. Okay. So she really wanted to play Catwoman. Wait, who is she again? You know her from Blade Runner. She was the robot or the artificial person. Oh yes, she. Yeah, I can see that. She didn't know she was artificial. Yeah, right? she's. I I can see her doing it. Yeah. So she was originally cast in the first movie as, um, Vicky Vale. 
Okay. And she got hurt or something during filming. Fell off a horse, I think, is the story I heard. Okay. So, fell off a horse. They bring in Basinger. Rest is history. So, she really wanted to play Catwoman. Mm-hmm. She dresses up as Catwoman and goes to Warner Brothers Studios or whatever and <laughs> tries to go, like, from office to office reading sides as Catwoman... <laughs> Trying to get the part, like total insanity. Okay. To the point where, like, Burton is hiding under his desk. <laughs> That's kind of sad. It's sad. But, but, but also, the dedication sometimes, sometimes that, it works. That dedication is what gets you, yes, what your, you know, whatever your goal is. So, when I heard that story, I was sad about it because I knew her from Ace Ventura and I knew her from couple other movies where I'm like I had no I mean, idea she was from what I've strung s- out from it. what I've seen of her she probably would be good but I don't know she would have been good but it would have been totally different yeah I think Michelle Pfeiffer is she actually is. went on the Arsenio Hall show and auditioned for the Catwoman as well on his show wow. <laughs> or it might have been Johnny Carson I think it was Arsenio do you it's think that that line in the Batman 89 script, Alfred is telling Vicki Vale about his first and only writing lesson for Bruce? There was young Master Bruce leading his gray pony with me on its back like a sack of old potatoes covered in mud and nursing a sprained ankle. <laughs> that was the first and last time I gave him a writing lesson. <laughs> do you think that scene was in the script originally? Or do you think they added that as a jab at Sean Young? I don't know. Because it says here in this article that I'm reading while you're talking uh, that she was injured on a horse while practicing for a scene that got cut from the movie. So if at some point they did have equestrian or horse-based writing or something in the Batman script, but they cut it because they didn't want to hurt two actresses in a row, so they're just like, screw it. (laughs) You know, uh, Kim Basinger doesn't know how to ride a horse, so we're not even going to bother but let's throw this line in to just jab at Sean Young. Guys, I think we got a wow. scandal here. I got to call Uh-oh. Sam Ham. See what's up. <laughs> Can we? Is he still around? I don't know, I don't know if, it's a, if, it, if it's a jab. It could also be viewed as a, you know, as a, a call out, you know, like a shout out. Covered yeah, in like mud me. and nursing I a sprained you. ankle. Like she's, she's not here because she, because we, you know, we threw her off a horse. Yeah, I but mean, okay. we are going to put something in there so that, like, a little nod, an ode to her for her effort, even though she's not in this movie. And she went insane and <laughs> stalked people. <laughs> Cuckoo. Well, hey, listen, what are you gonna do? Hey, when you want a job, you need it. You need it. You're gonna do whatever you can to get it. Yeah, but she was Ray Finkel, so. No, she wasn't. According to this script, I found that I haven't verified the authenticity of. There's no line in the first draft, at least, of that line that's in the final movie about the writing lesson. So there it is, folks. I cracked the code. I just learned something about a movie we're not talking about, and I am happy. (laughs) Hi, this is Dan in Post. What you just heard was a live on-air revelation. Uh, I've been watching Batman 89 since 1989, Multiple times a year. It's probably my most watched movie. And I never realized that the discussion of the writing accident was nowhere near the original script and was just added after the Sean Young incident. It was just us talking about Sean Young falling off a horse that I realized, wait a minute, 
Nobody rides a horse in the old Batman movie. Gears get to spinning. We do have a riding lesson. Gears keep spinning. Let me check the script. Like, you heard it all live. I don't need to tell you what happened. But guys, how fucking cool is that? I've been talking about that movie since 1989, and it just hit me today that, yeah, that probably was different in the original script. Confirmed online after we recorded a whole segment of flirtation uh, near an equestrian event and no discussion of a writing lesson with Alfred until the later scripts. So anyway, uh, my mind is blown, and I'm also breaking my arm, patting myself on the back for coming up with that without reading it on some online trivia thing. So I'm glad you were all here for me to do that. I hope you all have a wonderful break, and there's a lot more episode to get to, so let's get back to the show. I'm going to watch that again. That's That's my jam. What's that? The 89. First one? Batman 89 yeah. still my jam. Although he doesn't use the bat CDR to record dialogue from the penguin and then record scratch in the middle of the press conference like he does in this one. Such a Kevin McAllister thing to do. It is. <laughs> straight out of a Home Alone movie. And yeah. I think we all know now how unrealistic it is for a fervent political crowd to hear audio tape of something go. awful said by a candidate and then immediately that candidate is no longer a, a viable candidate that's democracy <laughs> that's uh that's democracy yeah. um yeah we do need Speaking to bring more a... produce to rallies though having a handy yes. uh you know <laughs> that's another thing that i thought i'm like tomato. who brings so many tomatoes to a political rally that's what you He's, get for holding that's his a, line isn't it he That's says something he like says. that, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, why do you hold your political rallies it... at the farmer's market, Penguin? Right. Come on. Yeah, yeah, right? I thought it before he said it, though. Mm. He was, was the number one, one those... son, but they treated him like number two. Like number two. Oh, yeah. <laughs> number two. It's Dude, such like it's an so earnest corny. speech, too. And so to throw that joke in is such a tonal just aberration. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's just, you know, but at I this think point it's in time. silliness. Yeah, at this point in time, Batman movies have to be yeah, silly. You still got to have a little silly. I don't understand why they say better fish to fry instead of bigger fish to fry at one point. Mm. Don't know if that was like a copyrighted phrase they were worried about, like infringing a trademark. Oh, and the worst line in the movie, <laughs> when he says the, when when they have the uh, the villain meet in the bedroom. Oh, God. And he's like, just the pussy I've been looking for. I was like, oh my God, my kids are in the room. Yeah. <laughs> they don't know that a cat is a pussy. Like, they just hear that word. <laughs> I was oh, like, man. Really? Oh, wow. Kids today don't know that the word pussy I know, means but cat. I'm thinking of myself when I grew up, the word pussy meant cat. Yeah, it's it always and I meant. And I didn't learn that it meant something else until later. It was so blatant. He's like, just the pussy I've been looking for. It was like something hey, out of the Stern movie. Listen, I I liked it. No, it, it's... Yeah. All of this is I, forgiven, though, because there's the line that I have used at least 10 times on this show when we're referencing stuff we're going to show George later. You know, the, oh, but you will. Oh, but you will. Oh, yeah, will. but you will. But that you comes will. from this movie. So, okay, damn it. I guess I like this movie. Do you think that Kevin Smith was referencing this movie that time he made Batman pee his pants? I don't know. Because there's that line where Penguin's complaining about how they didn't kill Batman in his car and he didn't even lose bladder control. Right. 
I'm gonna at Kevin That's Smith true. and find out. What a what supervillain has them make a miniature Batmobile like screen accurate <laughs> just for a plot? That wasn't like, screen accurate. That was literally the one from like a Seven Eleven parking lot that they. I know, but they they kind of they souped it up a bit. That was so silly, <laughs> just painfully silly. But it was it was a great homage to the original show. A lot of this movie, and what's funny is when Burton lost the rights to make the third movie, they did that because they wanted something more campy. They wanted something more 66. And (laughs) Penguin biting people's noses off and making pussy jokes is not not 66 enough. No. Well, too too much 69 for them. Hey, now. Hey, now. Nice. But, uh, yeah. He, He definitely went out with a bang. And what sucks is he was supposed to make the third one and it would have been, I think, the Riddler and the Scarecrow. And I I was I was not given a Tim Burton Scarecrow character, which I really wanted. That is a shame. And I know Robin Williams was in consideration for the Riddler, which would have been pretty awesome. 1995 uh Robin Williams was on top of his game. Yeah. He would have been off the chain. That seems like it would have been a great movie. That would have been like Aladdin level mm-hmm. Robin Williams. And that was stolen from us because of McDonald's and Happy Meals. Yeah. Woof. It's so yeah. interesting. We There's a certain amount of the conversation we need to save until after you've seen Batman Forever someday. Ugh. Uh, but <laughs> it's not that bad. It's fucking terrible, and no, it's terrible for you. The th- what? And the thing is, like, did we need to go backwards to get Nolan, or mm-hmm. were we dark enough with Batman Returns that another slightly darker, or the same darkness Batman Three from Tim Burton, could we have still? gotten to Nolan in 2001 or 2003 depending on what beginning or end of the production cycle did we really have to go through the trauma of Forever and Robin to get there definitely I, I don't, don't I don't know that we did so much I of it is in these movies already Nolan. I just don't know I mean because if you go this dark two movies in a row and then the third one doesn't make as much money and you don't get your McDonald's bucks and superhero movies go the way that they go anyway do you need to insult my character with those two movies to get to a good Batman? Or would this, the film cycle naturally have brought us there without having th- to traumatize me? I think without the, the debacle that was Batman and Robin and the almost train wreck that was Batman Forever, you would not have gotten Nolan's Batman. The Batman we would have gotten would have been Spawn with Batman. That wouldn't be bad. It wouldn't be bad. But it's kind it of what be... the Batman ended up. <clears throat> yeah, but it wouldn't be taken seriously. It would have been exactly like Spawn, like the way the clown is in that movie. It would have been still campy. $15 worth of uh, CGI effects. <laughs> Shit ton of CGI, yeah. I don't think we get Nolan's. The only reason we get Nolan's Batman is because of Brian Singer and X-Men and Spider-Man, Sam Raimi. 
George, did you like Batman Returns? I did. Would you watch it again? Absolutely. As quickly as you'd watch Batman 89 or where does it stand in relation to that one? Um, Because I know you're going to say Nolan overall. I understand. It's, it's been a minute since I watched 89. Ooh, but, you know what you could do tonight? Um, <laughs> I, honestly, Post-show I Batman. Post-show. I was thinking about watching it before. I didn't have enough time to watch 89 and then this uh, and then this one, but... They're all on HBO Max. So I you can actually watch to. them all three at the same time. I wanted want. to. And I even <coughs> tried to listen to our episode of 89 at work today, but my AirPods ran out of batteries. So. <sighs> it was too cold out. So I have no... It. It's been... The last Batman 89 I have experienced was when we recorded the episode. I don't even know how long ago. Oh, God. That was two years um, ago. Yeah, season one. So, I mean, I remember... I remember it being good. I think, I think these movies are pretty equal. I mean, I, I mean, if, if I let one. recency bias take effect, I'm gonna say this one's better. But if I don't, then I say they're probably on the same level. I can't compare the two. But maybe, maybe it's not recency bias. Maybe this movie, maybe I do like this one better. I'm not sure. I think Batman '89 is a better movie. But I think this one is more fun and a, like an easier watch for me. Yeah. This one has a lot more uh, My Cousin Vinny to it than Batman 89. 89 has like, I'm going to watch this scene, this scene, this scene, and this scene, and then I'm going to take the DVD out. I, I, I just feel <clears> like the, the actors' performances in this movie are so good. Yeah, there's yeah. more scenes to watch in this movie. Yeah. But I think the first one is a better film, if that makes sense. Yeah. Although this one visually is amazing. Yeah, that like, too. It's it, like, it, we kind of talked about it with Halloween. Like every shot in Halloween is like a poster. Same with this movie. Like it, it's just, it's it's frames. It's comic book frames. Like they're, even when Penguin's at the podium talking with the posters behind them. Any scene with Max Shrek, you know, uh, all the scenes with the circus group, like it's just visually a great piece of art. And I think that's why I probably would watch it more than the first one. Although I love the, believe me, I love the first one. Sure. But this one's just a more, more, it eats up more visually for me. Like I'm, I can. I can see myself, I, I rate a movie on if the next scene happens and I'm like, I'll stop what I'm doing and I'll watch the next scene. And then, oh, no, no, this one's a good scene too. Well, yeah, the best kind of movies are yeah. where you just... You wind yeah, up watching the whole you movie. You watch the scene and you're like, oh, well, this, this, the next scene is this. Like I Willy Wonka this. is another movie for me yeah. where I'll watch the beginning and it's kind of boring in the beginning, but any scene with Gene Wilder brings you to the next scene with Gene Wilder the next scene, by the time the next scene yeah before you know it, you're watching the credits you're like shit I just watched this whole movie again yeah to me that's what Batman Returns is as opposed to the first one fair I know Dan disagrees yeah 100% uh, Batman 89 is <laughs> way better than Batman Returns but uh, I'm glad you guys had fun <laughs> any Batman <laughs> movie that better you enjoy movie. is good yeah, I just I find it to be a lot of work to get through this one. I like all the character stuff between Bruce and Selina. 
but there's just so much that I don't care for actively. Like I have like, and I always have, even when I was a kid, I have like a very negative physical reaction when she's destroying her apartment. Like I find it unpleasant to watch that scene. I don't know why. I just, ugh, it's just so like sad and I don't need to be sad in a Batman movie. So there's scenes I like, but the best fight, what? (laughs) Slow down. You don't want to be sad in a, bur- a Batman movie? Yeah. No, I, I came to watch a <laughs> There's Batman There's nothing movie. sadder than the character of Batman. I, but it's just... Yeah. You like, know, every it's, character in this damn universe is a broken soul. I like, don't know. It's just something about... Everyone is broken. I have like a, a, a reaction to this, like, the amount of, like, acute sadness and rage that she's going through. She's destroying that apartment, having this, like, transitional moment. And I know it's important to the plot, but I find it unpleasant to watch. Mm. Well, that's, she's then that's spray, done right. She's spray painting everything. Yeah, yeah I hate it's that. Done right. so, For something, I, just, I love I, the scene where I she's never spray painting the dollhouse. Yeah, it's so I'm like, good. so miserable. So it's a perfect George scene. Like I was watching that thing, and yeah. George is gonna love it's so this emo. Movie. So, yeah, <laughs> but so I just good. I find it unpleasant. And so when she's having good character interaction, she's great. The movie's good. The fight scenes are fine, except they're so murdery. They don't really fit as a Batman movie. Uh, everything true. with the penguin is gross. All that like crap coming out of his mouth the whole time. Not just <laughs> yeah, the words, but the literal like ooze. <laughs> it's just gross. And so uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm see, glad I, you guys I, liked it. It's important that we watched it. But man, 89 is so much more watchable. I grew up watching Taxi. So that version of the penguin doesn't bother me that much because... Danny DeVito is that penguin. Like he, he maybe not in real life, but he played that character on Taxi without the makeup. Yeah, like there was nothing. I can't remember for Louis 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 De Palma was his character on Taxi. He was basically the Larry David character. Yeah, on Curb. Curb. Yeah, but I, I guess less aware or more aware of what he was saying. Okay. Very vulgar, very exact, very demeaning. And when I watch him as a penguin, yeah, it's gross to see him bite his nose and, and the, the innuendo is a little uncomfortable. And to watch him eat a raw fish, eat a raw fish. Although that scene is funny because (laughs) it's kind of like when I would turn 21 they threw a surprise party for me and I came home from work and Jen brought me into the room, into the house, my house. And I farted. <laughs> farted so fucking loud. <laughs> and Jen's like, Oh my God. And we were laughing about it. And I didn't realize there were like 15 of my friends in the back room. <laughs> and they heard me come in and I was like, Braw, like really loud. And it's like it's fantastic. That scene reminded me of that because it's like he had no idea. Like, there's nothing worse than a surprise party when you're not expecting it. I thought you were gonna say Ron gave you a raw fish. No, but like his his, that uncomfortableness. Like Dan's talking about that scene where she destroys her apartment. They effectively did what they were supposed to do. Like they wanted you to be uncomfortable with the penguin. That was their choice. And yeah, it's it's unnerving sometimes to watch but it doesn't bother me i i was what 92 so i was 16 when that came out i think i think i one of the reasons why i love this movie is because tim burton is so dark 
Uh, Tim Burton yes. is kind of like what every emo kid bases absolutely their you know outlook and style on yeah right so yeah i mean it's it's great and one of the i think one of the writers or producers worked on the movie called heathers which we will probably watch at some point but it's just the darkness when you add that kind of humor from heathers to Tim Burton, who does that kind of humor. Like, when you watch, even when you watch Edward Scissorhands, it has a lot of darkness to it. Uh, Beetlejuice the same way. Like, that's him. So, because it's in a Batman movie, it's unnerving for Dan, because it's like, but to me, I'm like, okay, this is just, this is Burton's interpretation of that character. Hey, so guys. So, it doesn't bother me so much. You know my, uh, my side, my side chick movie group? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um. Uh, Dan Bogan, I think it was Dan. He's the one who likes uh Verhoeven mm-hmm. movies, and all five uh, of them. And he does like <laughs> he does like Showgirls. By the way, I asked him, and um, he chose the movie Beetlejuice. Oh, nice for the group to watch, and I didn't watch it because yeah. I knew that. You guys would probably. Are we doing that next? Want to do an episode <laughs> about it? So I'm kind of itching to watch Beetlejuice. Just keep that in mind when you're choosing movies. That's all. Okay. I don't know what we're doing next. I never asked. Yeah, what are we doing next? <laughs> We've been recording for like an hour and a half. It's hour so and forty-one though. minutes. I have one more question before we move. Sure. On. The penguin at the end. Mm-hmm. When he grabs the wrong umbrella. I picked a cute one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> His head is... Is that supposed to hypnotize me or something? That's no. It's give you a splitting headache. <laughs> no, but it'll give you a splitting headache. It's so good. Chill out. They're blanks. <laughs> a lot of you tape s- and patience. You said you were going to scare her. She looks scared to me. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta fly. <laughs> uh... The wrong umbrella. His head is bleeding blood, like red blood. It bleeding blood. Red, get the fuck red, out of here. Get the fuck out of here. red blood. <laughs> yeah, but his mouth is bleeding green black blood. Uh, confused. His mouth isn't bleeding. Is his mouth is oozing what? Uh, whatever. Oh, maybe it's the toxic waste from the water in the VHS the days. It was understood that. Colloquially, that he basically, because he had sharp teeth, he was always bleeding from the mouth. And that a lot of the black goo coming out of his mouth all throughout the movie is little bits of blood from him having cut his own tongue or lips. But it's never explained. And it's fucking gross. (laughs) (laughs) I have a bigger problem, though, than that. Uh, There's a shot of the fireplace. I sent you guys, I sent George, uh, a shot of the fireplace with the you know, cutting edge big screen TV that we can all remember the days when the, the rear projection was the Yes. The top dollar. Well like a forty eight inch screen or something. Holy shit. Like my dad tore down two walls in our house to get one of those <laughs> in our T V room. So to uh watch a Penn State game. I sent the picture to you. I think what they're doing here is uh a failed like force perspective shot 
like similar to what they do in uh, Elf to make Buddy look like he's ten times as tall as the little uh, little mm-hmm. elves in the classroom. Do you remember that shot? Yes. And so his uh, mentor. But the issue is the way the shot is composed. You know, if we use Bruce for scale in this kind of oversized chair, but then you go over and look at the fireplace. In the size of the... Because I can imagine, yes, this is a giant fireplace because he's Bruce Wayne. And yes, he has a big TV, but look, his his big TV is dwarfed by the giant fireplace. That's all well and good, except look how big the tools are. I don't have it. For manipul- It's in... Uh, George, George has it in his messenger. I'll forward it to you. Okay. But take a look at how big the implements are to actually, like... They're about as tall as the TV. So you've got like a, a five foot <laughs> manipulator, like a shovel and then what, a, what, a, what a, the poker, the poker has yeah, got to be five the, foot tall. The stoker. This. Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm sure it looked really cool in the theater at the time when you couldn't pause it and look at it. I mm. think, uh, I think you might be uh, looking too far into it. Um, and here's why. If you have a big fireplace, that means you have a big fire, which means if you have a big fire, you have a hotter fire. And in order to use tools on it, you have to be farther away. So they might just be large tools. Maybe. I mean, these are like the same size construction tools you'd use to repave a highway. I, you know what I like about this picture that you sent? There's a gargoyle. Yes, on, on his own fireplace. fireplace. Yeah, on on the very <laughs> top of the fireplace. There it is, and it looks very much like a fly, a penguin. Well, he's making <laughs> the same face the penguin makes every time Catwoman like walks ex- into the room. Exactly, it looks like Brundlefly. <laughs> and actually, they're making out in front of this fireplace at one point, so he's making yeah. that face at them making out. That's kind of hot. Yeah, that's like a White Lotus season two situation. But if you guys haven't watched that yet, I won't spoil it. Mm. Shout out to our listeners who watched White Lotus Season 2. Hmm. Batman Returns. So what are we watching next week, Travis? Well, Johnny, next week we're watching a movie that George has no idea about. No. <laughs> As usual. As usual. Now, we are going to go down the uh, Burton Road of an adventure. Ooh, a, small, a large adventure. But big. A large, big, big adventure. But Pee Wee's big adventure. And not the solo Pee-wee. adventure he had that got him in so much trouble. <laughs> <laughs> to be talked about later. I'm gonna do some research on that. Ah. So I think I have I think I have an idea <laughs> of what happened. Wait, are we gonna have an over and under on how many times I do a Pee Wee laugh? Oh God, I hadn't episode. even sure. <laughs> we'll we'll get with Vegas. We'll come up with a line. <laughs> yeah, I won't do it. I won't. I won't so next it. week we'll close out twenty twenty two with Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Oh gosh, could I? I don't think I could think of a more appropriate movie. Hmm. Mm. I have not seen this movie in like twenty five years, so I'm Great. excited. I think I have it on DVD, and that is probably the most recent I've bought it. So I better find that DVD. It's also on HBO Max. And thank you for joining us on the Remedial Film Class Podcast. As always, you can find us at facebook.com slash remedialfilmpod. 
We'll be back next week with Pee-wee's Big Adventure, now on HBO Max. Also check out The Hysteria Continues and Elves. Hmm. That's right next to your uh, True Lies DVD. I have a True Lies Blu-ray, Travis. From uh, Spain. You don't have to rub it in. From wow. Spain. It's obviously wow. a DVD upconvert. It does not look like a Blu-ray. Right. But Fantastic. I have it. And it was on Amazon. <laughs> and it was expensive. So I'm going to rub it in your face. I have it. I have three VHSs of it. <laughs> you and they were not expensive. Hit yeah, well, to, I have a laser disc. Hit them against each other. Do they turn into a DVD if you... Hey, they said an Abyss 2023 remaster yes. is expected, so maybe True Lies will follow. I hope so. The Abyss is a good movie as well. I've heard good things. I've never seen it, so maybe really? later. Maybe down the road. Get the fuck out of here. I've seen that really? one scene in the effects shot that's so cool, but I've right, never seen right, the movie. Right, right. No, it's a really good effects aside. It's a good character film, and it's got your Ed Harris in it. And, and Michael Bean. No blue monkey uh, avatar people. No, not at all. Are panthers? What are they? What animal are they based on? <laughs> I haven't seen the... I saw the one Avatar in theaters and I hated it, so haven't been back yeah, in that world. Yeah. There's like more than one cats. Avatar? There's a new one coming out. And one every two years for the next like eight years or something. We oh, have a ton of that. Uh, there, <laughs> there's no one who loves Jim Cameron more than me. I will not watch Avatar. Nah, fuck that. Titanic was the last Cameron movie I watched. Ping. That's me falling off the boat and hitting the... <laughs> the propeller. Oh, the propeller. That That's so the good. only part of that movie I liked besides the boob. <laughs> Wasn't that great? Uh, I, I enjoyed that movie. I, I did. I, I can <sighs> honestly say that it was, it was not a bad movie. Yeah, it was fine. It was fine. <laughs>